Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch community, and welcome to episode 32 of the 167 podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor of the Porch Community Church, and I'm here with our media pastor, Josh Harrell. Hey, buddy. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's going really well. Good, good, good. I spent the week at the beach. Good. Yeah. It was really wonderful. Was it? Yeah, it was great. Sweet. Had a good time. Uh, family came down over, over and down from Oklahoma. And uh, some friends went over, and uh, we had a great time. It was a wonderful, just really chill. That's good. Um, And, you know, like the kids that are in the group that go, because we rent a a house and a bunch of us are there, is they're all older, so it's a lot easier to, I don't know, it's it's less stressful now that the kids are older so and that's happened with that in within the last like two years or yeah, so, right? yeah so it's it's just it's a good time and i look forward to it every year and um yeah so yeah it's good it's good yeah, good, good so you know i i would have to say, how are you i'm sorry before i'm I good. Jump in. i'm tired have you unlo- have you unpacked all the boxes from your move to your new home no because we're painting Oh. <laughs> so, like, we haven't hung anything on the walls because we're painting, and I am slow at painting because it is not fun. Is it like an echo chamber in your house because there's nothing on the walls? Yeah. No. No, because you got... Yeah, because we have furniture to yeah, break it yeah, up, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. it's like we have the dining room, which just has, like, furniture and stuff that goes up on the walls just kind of in there, and mm-hmm. then we have one room that is called the box room because it just has boxes <laughs> in it. You're going to call... It's going to be called the box room from now on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if this is your forever house, it's going to be the box room in, like, 25 years. And then when we sell it, <laughs> someone will go, and this is the box room. We, we don't, don't know, know why. why. Well, I'm, I'm wondering, since you said all the things are in, like, piled up in the dining room, um... Where are you eating dinner every night? Because after Kara cooks your your meal, and then you guys gather as a family around the table. You mean at the kitchen counter? <laughs> we have a bar. We have a living room. Yeah. <laughs> That's where our meals are. <laughs> My dad built us a really sturdy table for a coffee table. Oh yeah, I've seen uh, that. It's nice. Yep. That, that could be like a weapon. Like if, you if someone ever breaks up, in your house, you just use that. If you could pick it up. Yeah, that's good. We digress. Yes. You know, I would have to say, th- this is where I almost was last night. And even when I texted you this morning at like six something, I don't know what it was. Um, today could have totally been a coin flip day. Yeah. Because I had two podcast, two sets of material for the podcast. And I just, just normally I'm like, let's go in this direction. And I wasn't sure. Uh, instead of the flipping the coin, I threw it to Josh and he said, Hey, let's go in this direction. I said, all right, great. So we've got material for down the road. So, yeah, we do. So, um, but today in, in our continuation of answering these questions that people have posed to us through message or conversation, whatever, um, is this one. If you are a nerd alert of church history, you're going to love today. You're going to just, just be all in it. And, um, Oh, you know, I have a question. And I probably should have asked you before we started. But um, are we able to provide links to things in our show notes? Or in, like, uh, whenever you post? Um, We can can on Facebook, not on Instagram. 
Okay. Well, no, I meant um, oh, oh. on the actual podcast. Don't know. We've never tried. I know. Huh. Well, what we'll do is we will try it. We will we will find a place to post these couple of things because I think they're worth taking a gander at. Yep. They'll at least be on Facebook. Okay, there you go, there you go. So, um, again, see, something I might have, should have maybe thrown at you, so. <laughs> it's been a crazy day. So. It has. It's a crazy week. For sure. So, Wild Adventures was last night. Yep. Yeah, you guys were out there. And that was a long day. <laughs> we got there at 8 a.m. And, you, I mean, you started packing up on Sunday, Tuesday? So I, started, I started breaking stuff down to take out there uh, Monday morning after stir. Yeah. Stir yeah. and salt. Yeah. So when those when they did their thing on Sunday night, Monday morning I just started unplugging things. Yeah. So like if someone needed to do something in the auditorium <laughs> like Monday, me when I have a meeting with the community group leaders, you're like, Hey, do you really need that thing up on? I was like, Nope, I sure don't. Because it's already unplugged. <laughs> I surely don't. <laughs> we have electronic means. I can send that to them in a text. So. Yeah. So so it takes about uh two and a half full days of work to set mm, up mm, and mm, then mm, three mm, or four and then you do the event. So you did the sound and everything for and 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 visual. Yeah. So for the, the concert, the church is help is helping do um, lighting, sound, and video for um, this is event. It the, they call it love big like Tyler. Uh, love changes everything is kind of the tagline. Gotcha. And then the hashtag is love big like Tyler. Okay. Right. Um. But uh. And then, so we're doing it in partnership with uh, the production company I'm a part owner of. Oh, okay. Because just to have enough people to, it's to a, have hands. It, it's a production. It's it's a full production. Yeah. It, it's about uh, three trailers worth of equipment and then <laughs> whatever I can fit in my pickup. Yes. So. Well, I am going to, um, uh, I don't know if I'm really going to do this, but I was going to say I'm going to walk by all the equipment after um, before it gets installed again, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna put holy oil upon it. Yeah, because it'll and t- pray that no gremlins have entered into our equipment <laughs> equipment it- before Sunday. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, it seems to happen. I get twitchy when we take stuff out. I know you do. I know you do. Um, so. But so it takes two and a half days to get it out. Oh no. And then 3 days to put it back. Okay. Because so, you want to put it back in right because so you're in the middle of that. You don't have any like um reason to we really don't have reasons to take stuff out unless it's a big event like it's this. It's got to be something you yeah, won't yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, yeah, we we digress there. Um but so I don't even know how we got there. Sometimes show notes and then something that's posted and whatever and I don't, I know, don't know. So well, here is where we're going today. Okay. okay. So here's the question that's been posed. and Oh, I was nerding out. If you're a nerd, church oh, history yeah. nerd, here we go. The question is, why are there so many denominations of churches? Why are there so many denominations? Um, it's like a church buffet. You pick out what you want. <laughs> Can you get three meats or is it just one? I mean, you got to pick one. Okay. But so. it's like going through. How about starches? Can you get uh, as well, many starches so as you Well, so like want? you pick your meat. starchy girl. So let's say you pick Baptist or Methodist. <laughs> and then you kind of pick your sub. Oh, okay. Which would be your starches of like worship style, stuff like that. Oh, okay. Hey. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing this <laughs> in my mind. Clothes you're allowed to wear. Yeah. What's, know, what's like the that. dessert then? What's the dessert? The way they do uh, food, fellowship, and fun. <laughs> 
that the three Fs. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear Lord. Okay, so well, so with that question, why so many denominations? The first question that comes to my mind, Josh, was where do you even start? I mean, do you start at Acts when you know the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and the church is, becomes the church, or do you start at one of the first, you know, the Council of Nicaea? Like, where do you begin? So I, I found it kind of interesting just to even to grasp the concept of denominations right. and is that there were denominations before Jesus. Yeah, because there was different uh, forms of Judaism. That's right. There were different point. sects of of these. So there was um, there was the, the Jewish, like the religious elite, and th- those two major sects were, were, were um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? Don't, don't ask me to totally explain that, but, you know, we could look that up later. Well, okay, then. Um, um, but then there were the Nazarites, so think of um, uh, Samson. Uh, didn't cut you. Don't cut your hair. Right. Don't uh, drink alcohol. Uh, John the Baptist was also a Nazarite, so it was like a special, uh, you know, denomination in and of itself as the way they practiced their faith. Yes. And the fact that he was called John the Baptist when I was a kid reassured me that being at a Baptist church <laughs> was the right place. There to you be. go. There you go. Like I just assumed Bab- Baptist came from John the Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the name does. I mean, because baptism is a yeah, yeah. is a central. But no one like. Yeah. No one, no one bothered told you different. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of not knowing or knowing and all that, I've got to tell you that I'm not going to say their name because I don't want to make them feel dumb. But um, Kristen. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I'm not saying names. So, but I got a text today of someone who had listened to the Calvinism and the Armenianism. Uh, differences, comparisons uh, podcast. I think that was episode 31. 31? So it was the last one? Okay, yeah, yeah, I can't keep track anymore. And and they were like, hey, so I got to make a confession. I feel really dumb. I thought Armenianism was like not on Jacobus Arminius, Mm -hmm. but on the country of Armenia, Armenia with an E in there. And that it, it somehow came out of that. And I can I see like, that. I was like, nope, that's not it. I can see okay. that. I mean, people, yeah, people, do it. Yeah, people sure. don't really look into that, no. the history of that kind of no. stuff. So they it just happens. accept it as it is. Yeah. So there's the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, there's the Nazarites, there's the Essenes, and those were the people that, that, goodness gracious, they kept up with the Dead Sea Scrolls. So that's very, very, very important. Um, Paul was a Pharisee, so he was in his, uh, he did his thing. Uh, Nicodemus. Uh, was a Pharisee, Joseph of Arimathea. He's the one that said, you know, G- that that they could put Jesus's body in uh, the tomb. Um, it doesn't tell us if he was a Pharisee or a Sadducee, but he was a he was a member of one of those. So there's these different. At the time, they called them sects, S E C T S. Might not come off right as, as in the in audio. Yeah. So so even before Jesus Christ came on the scene, there were multiple denominations of Judaism. Correct. And you fast forward to today and there are still multiple denominations of Judaism. There 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 are reformed there's there, there are reformed Jews. Mm-hmm. There are conservative Jews, there are orthodox Jews, and then there's a bunch of subgroups in there. Yep. Like the buffet that you talk about. So with the denominations, um really quickly 
you see in the New Testament, uh, of course, there's a list of churches all the time because they're in different towns. Right. Um, in Galatia and Ephesus and Corinth and Thessaloniki and Philippi, all these places where there are churches, Colossae, all these places, Antioch, yes. Athens, Berea. Yeah. And yes, those are books of the Bible because there were letters written to most of these churches. Yes, right, right. What's interesting about that, I, I found this interesting as I was doing some research on this, is that these churches were standalone churches. They weren't practicing a different way. And there's actually some, in 2021, there are non-denominational churches that would use the example of these New Testament churches as the reason for them not uh, being in a denomination. They're like, look, these were standalone churches in, um, in, in Scripture, so why should we... We would call that congregationalist now, yes. um, even though they might still have a particular way of practicing their faith that you could categorize, right. they would not say they're in a denomination. We'll, we'll get more into that later. It's almost so. like non-denom is a denom. Oh, well, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so today, so that's just a little bit of background. So even before Jesus, even before Christianity, there were denominations in some, some way, shape, or form. And when you think about it, I mean, we're human beings. We, uh, we do want to collectively be together with others. We are naturally going to be drawn to people who think like us, who, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and so in, in many ways, you could almost say there's denominations of a lot of things, not just right. denominations of churches. I mean, there's denominations of money, you know, but there's like the, that term itself is the, the difference in, you know. So it, it's funny that we that denominations has really stuck with churches when there is like, like you could call restaurants have denominations on the type of food that they serve. Oh, yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, it's basically a different word to say categories. Yeah, yeah, true. And, but true. we're so held up, we're so like polarized by the word denominations mm-hmm. that that you it, got, it yeah. can pick up a negative connotation or or it is your connotation. It's good or it's bad yeah, or it's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So when we're just talking about denomination, it's just a category of the way they interpret certain things. Mm-hmm. And and live those out and everything. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So today there are there are thousands of denominations. Um, Just in Valdosta. <laughs> um, there's you know there's Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Baptist. There's Apostolic. There's Methodist. I mean the list really goes on, and you can almost find you, you can find a lot of subgroups underneath those kind of main, um, of course Catholic. Um, Estimations show there's there's there are there are more than 200 denominations in the U.S. and um, about 45,000 globally. Oh wow! Yeah, that's craziness. Um, now, I didn't realize. Yeah, and then just to touch on this briefly before we really get into uh, you know detail and and kind of the origin of denominations and how really kind of family tree if you think about it how how they've kind of grown from yeah. where it started. There are some denominations that will that publicly claim, or you know, it's part of their uh, stance in many ways, that their denomination is the one true mm-hmm. and only denominations, and sadly all the others are misguided. Right. And I, I say I use the word publicly there on purpose because mm-hmm. um, let's be honest there's a lot of people that go to a lot of churches and they think, oh, we got it figured out. You know, oh, we're Methodists. We got it all figured out. Oh, we're, we're, um, you know, 
Fifth Baptist Church down the street here. We got it figured out. We are, you know, whatever Lutheran over there, we got it figured out. And people do that. And it might not even be the church or even the leadership. Oh, no, you know, it's, it's just, just a, a it's just the people mindset. mindset. Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, you never really, especially if you grow up in a church, uh-huh. you never really question if it's the like, right oh, this or wrong. Is, it's yeah. the right. Yeah. Until something happens that yeah. changes your thought process. I watch a lot of uh, documentaries and stuff about um, people who have, uh, you know, that are interviewed that come out of um, either like hyper fundamentalism, um, you know, whether it was like even like polygamy right. um, or, you know, cultish type mm-hmm. uh, uh, organizations or behaviors or whatever. And it's just like to a person, they will say, if they, you know, it was just what I knew. Yeah. It's, and people are like, or Scientology, you know, they'll be like, how did you, did, why didn't you question this? Why didn't you get out? And it's like, this is what I've always known. Didn't know any better. This is, this was normal to me. Yeah. You know, so, and it's like, wow. Um, so there's a couple, I wanted to, a number of, of Christian denominations say, all right, we're the one true and only, uh, we're the one church that Jesus gave his authority to in the Great Commission, because that's really kind of the starting point, you know, go into yeah. all the world. And they're like, no, no, we're the ones. He, he told that to us. Catholics would say that. Yes. That was, he told, you know, he said he was going to build the church on Peter, and Peter was our first pope, and boom, there you go. But Peter um, didn't declare himself pope, did he? No, no. It was like way after he was gone. Right, the, right. The, the, Catholic Church claimed him as the first pope. Right, right. So, so there's the Catholic Church would make that claim. Um, the Eastern Orthodox Church would make that claim, which was a there was a great schism between those two, Catholic and Eastern Orthodox. Um, there's the Oriental Orthodox, um, and then there's the the Syrian Church that claims this of the East, and they all say we are the one and only original Church. We're the ori- so those are the ones that say they're the original. They were number one. I mean, you know, we laugh at like when we say like First Baptist or First Methodist or something like that. They're like, no, no, we were first, 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 yeah, firsty, yeah. first, yeah. firsty, firsty, first. Like <laughs> like the, nobody firster than us. They were they were churches before the United States was a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, way. Yeah. So but, and and I'm looking at these denominations mm-hmm. outside the Catholic Church. None of them have a presence in this area. In this area, yeah. yes, yeah. There are definitely Orthodox uh, churches in uh, bigger cities, yeah, yeah. Uh, those kinds of things for sure. But I just find that I'd never heard of the Oriental Orthodox, but it makes sense that it probably yeah. uh, was in you know in the Asian countries. I, I would think that that's not really like a cool name anymore, but if they own it, they own it. I mean, if it's theirs and they claim it, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm Choctaw, and like we... In our tribe, like we are, we are Choctaw Indians. Like we claim the name Indians, mm-hmm. um, where some would be like, "Oh no, no, no! You, you're, you're, you're Native wrong. American." You can't and use it's that like, word. No, it's I mean word. the Choctaw are like you know, kind of like the Florida State, the Seminoles. Yeah, they people are like, "Oh, they shouldn't have it." But shoot, the Seminole tribe loves it. Yep, like they totally support it, and they have like a. A uh, Seminole tribes member is the one that gets to ride out on the horse mm-hmm. and on the throw the spear. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know all the details. I'm not a huge FSU fan, but Me I'm either. like, but I'm like, heck yeah, that's awesome. I don't know where I went with that. Okay, so um, Orientals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today, um, Seventh Day Adventists make this claim that they are the ones that they they are the one true faith. Um, so if you're not part of them, then you're not really. They do have a presence in this area. They do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Churches of Christ claim 
no denomination at all. Like they are very particular about saying we are not part of a denomination because um, they don't have, they do not adhere to creeds, um, you know, like uh, the Nicene Creed or Apostles Creed or anything like that that might be said in a church. They're like, no, that's man-made. Like we'll do the Lord's Prayer Mm -hmm. because Jesus gave us that. But if it's not in Scripture, we're not doing it. Um, uh, All these things. So they would say um, they're like-minded, they draw, and they they say we go all the way back to AD 33 at Pentecost. That's Mm -hmm. where we start. So... Okay, so where did the Christian denominations come from? Usually, um, I would say from, (laughs) when you look at history, Christian denominations usually begin because someone started asking questions, Josh. Yeah. Someone started going, hold on a minute. Why is the piano on that side? Why is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now that's called a church split, and that is different. Sorry. But, uh, well, okay. no, actually, denominations denom- have come from that too. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll yeah. get into one in a little because bit because we wanted blue carpet. Yep, and it's supposed to be red. Yep. So okay, um, <laughs> Jesus didn't part the blue sea. Parted the red. Sea. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if that's a reason. Okay, so um, so usually people start asking questions, like an individual asks questions, or a group of people start to get a hold. You know, what is th- what's going on here? Um, perhaps there was suppression going on in a group, and so people start going, oh, this isn't good. Maybe there was restriction. Um, and then oftentimes those kinds of things led to revival. It yes. was almost like you're not going to contain the Holy Spirit of God in the lives of people who are looking at the Word of God and saying, I believe there is, I, I feel as if there is another way to express my faith, and it is not with whatever this organization is Mm -hmm. and then a perfect example of suppression leading to revival was martin luther for sure for sure and that's yeah exactly um because one of the biggest now we'll we'll backtrack in a moment because i do want to touch on the great schism that happened between the catholic church and the eastern orthodox church but let's let's move along and let's we're following the the um the catholic side of the family tree yeah um because that's where the majority uh went uh, I mean, that's where all Protestants come yes, from, is that yes, side of the church. that's right. And so one of the biggest revivals in history was was the Reformation. We get our word reform. I mean, that's mm-hmm. of, of the 16th century. And that's when Martin Luther, a Catholic priest, <laughs> uh, nailed his 95 theses to the doors of a church in, in Wittenberg, um, or as we would say, Wittenberg. Uh, in 1517. So he nailed them to the door. And uh, not long after that, this new denomination started. And what they call themselves? Lutherans. Because Martin Luther's. But they came under this whole heading of the Protestant church, Mm -hmm. the Protestant movement. And so many other denominations were being started in the 16th century. And they were all known as Protestants because it begs the question, who or what were they protesting? The Catholic Church. The Catholic Church. They were protesting the Catholic Church. They were protesting the practices of the church that they believed were really against, like it didn't make sense. It didn't add up. There were definitely there were definitely some activity going on that was not okay. There was they were practicing what's called indulgences, which is, oh Josh, you um you lied and um you took the Lord's name in vain. All right, you give me fifty bucks. 
and your sins are now absolved. We're square. Yeah, yeah. You and the big man uh, are square. Exactly. So, I mean, it was just like, that's a that's a really basic de- uh, definition. Yeah, of, and then there was the whole crusades and stuff like that. Yes, which you'll, that goes back to the whole Ether, Eastern Orthodox schism. thing as well. Yeah, Because the, the, the schism actually, like, the Catholic Church never really, the people that broke off for Protestantism, that the Catholic Church after the schism was never really whole again. Yeah. In that yeah. in that moment. Like it was so far gone at that point. Yeah. This was this was foreshadowed for a while that it was coming. Yeah, and the Crusades were definitely an attempt to try to try to reel that reel, reel that, that back in. in. Yeah. So here we've got um the Reformation happening and it and it really and if you ever get an opportunity, listener, to to read um the story of Martin Luther, it's, it's really, it's really riveting. And maybe for me, because I grew up going to Catholic church, um, and going to mass and going through the catechism and all those things, it was really enlightening for me to read about Martin Luther, to hear and to see his, um, his process, because what he found was, um, that, it, it was about a personal faith. I mean, it definitely the work of salvation is a corporate thing. I mean, it is available to all, but there is a personal aspect to our faith, and it just that wasn't seen. And everything had to be run through the priest. Everything right. had to run run through someone above you that was not God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit, and it just didn't make sense. And the Word of God was not available to people. Um, and so, and the word that was available was in Latin. So, and not, that was not the common language, but it was the common language of the Catholic church. Yes. So there were so many restrictions to even knowing God's word. Mm -hmm. And so as Martin Luther began to study this, he saw this and of course, and then the indulgences and, um, and he saw the grace of God uh, as he studied this. And so he wrote his 95 theses and went and nailed it to the church doors, which is just like, boom, shakalaka. Like, there you go. And, so. and also one of the reasons that um, this started happening was because the literacy rate of people oh, there was, was was rapidly rising. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because at one point, the the priests were, the people that were in, like, priesthood school mm-hmm. were the ones who were taught how to read and write and mm-hmm. stuff like that because they had to That's deliver, where they were learning it, yeah. They had to deliver the gospel. Mm-hmm. But then as other people were learning to read and write outside of it, and they're like, but you're only going to give us the gospel in a language Latin, we right. can't read? Right. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Uh, that's a good point because I wasn't, I knew that the literacy rate began to rise uh, later, but I, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if, if that's starting to be common and things I, are going to be more available. I wouldn't say common, but the upper echelon. Yeah. We're starting to have literacy. Yeah. Oh, as, as oppo- that would make sense. As opposed to just right the priesthood. So you're not talking about like the the average villager. No, 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 They're no, not no. going to have like the, the 500 mo- pound Bible sitting on their coffee table. The so. movers and shakers could read and were wondering <laughs> why they were being kept this information. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Or they were just paying for indulgences and they didn't care either way. Exactly. Um. So, so here is Luther and his followers, and they've claimed that. Man, the Bible, not not a church hierarchy, was the ultimate authority over people. That that scripture had authority because the church was above scripture. And that's one thing to keep in mind. That the church and the authority of the church was above scripture. And Luther was like, I don't I don't see this. I don't that's that's not what I see. I'm of course I'm 
I don't see that quote anywhere. I'm just, <laughs> but um, and he said, and that includes priests, and that includes the Pope, and several other like ecclesiastical practices. You know, um, all these things. Like he was like, this is not the way. So not long. So after the theses go up, the ninety five. I mean, I'm thinking. I don't even want to write one thesis. He wrote 95, but all right, good for you. Um, not long after the resurrection, uh, resurrection, Reformation. the Reformation, the, here's, here, the, the one here, I would say is kind of a tiny little upside is that the church, I think those who were devout followers in within the Catholic Church and were just as um, appalled with some of the practices of some of the people within the church, because it was not like an across the board, every single priest and every single bishop and every, you know, like it wasn't like everything, everybody was sketchy. I mean, there were true people that, I mean, loved God and loved Jesus. And, um, and a good point of the reformation is that there did begin to be a, I would call like an internal reformation within the Catholic church to start to, uh, do away with indulgences to start to call out on those and to start to have some reform within. Right. Um, so initially there were just a few major Protestant groups, you know, like the Lutherans, but ultimately the Reformation, what it did is it, it ushered in more Christian offshoots. So you can look at from, uh, by, by the 17th century, the word, as we just talked about, the word denomination began to be used to describe religious offshoots. Like, no one was really using that term before. This right. is when it really started okay. to come into play. And um, Protestants had used Scripture to critique the Roman Catholic Church, claiming that you know any believer could read Scripture and have this personal relationship with God. But then this obvious problem emerges, Josh, Whose interpretation of Scripture is the right one? Oh, mine. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, and this, what, this is what we've been talking about in the podcast the yeah. last couple of weeks is, is it John Calvin? Has he got it right? Or is it, you know, is it Jacob. Jacobus Arminius and John Wesley and whoever else? Is and, it Martin Luther or is right, it the Pope? Right. So, um, I mean, is it Joel Osteen? I mean, who knows? No. <laughs> so whose interpretation of Scripture is right? And as believers, and and this is really important, I think, to the point you made a moment ago about the literacy and the availability of Scripture, um, uh, the availability of, or even if they didn't, you know, people weren't going out and buying Bibles, but now it's being taught to them in their language. Yes. Um, And so they're starting to understand. And as believers started to read Scripture, understand Scripture, um, and look at, okay, well, how should we practice this baptism and how should we carry out communion, these sacraments? Um, because this is how the church told us to do it. Is there, does scripture show a different way? Um, and so churches would form and split based on just all, just a myriad of biblical interpretations as they began to read the Bible. Um, ways of worship, the organizational structure, the hierarchy, who's in charge, who's not, who can be, who can't be, who all these things. And from all of these different conversations, denominations began to be born. Right. Um, and here's the I, I found something late last night. Uh, and I want to direct our listeners to it. Um, and I, if you can click on the link, because I think it'll give you the title, the YouTube one. Um, but I, I found this um 
a, a, a really good, slightly humorous, but really good explanation of church history from Jesus to the Great Schism, which is when the West and East and Europe and Asia split, and um, and then forward a little bit. And uh, do you, what's the title of it? I think it's like ten minute. Um, do you see the the link in there, Josh? I see the link, but it, what, can you click on it? Yep, I'm clicking on it. All right. Um, so we might have a quick second of that audio. <laughs> Church history in ten minutes. Church history in ten minutes. It is animated. YouTube, go to Church History in 10 Minutes. It's pretty good. It's got like this English lady, or maybe she's Irish. It's a great accent. And um, and I encourage you to go just find that, just for like a real basic like background yeah. from that. I, I found it really good. So, um, But here's where we put on your nerd alert, gla- nerd alert glasses because um, I want us to, to go down this road together. Um and I'm going to tell everyone up front, uh, given credit for this research to a group called ARDA, ARDA, A-R-D-A, the Association of Religion Data Archives. This is why I was up so late last night. So, because I was reading uh, religion data archives. Isn't that fun? So, it is. It really is, it actually. Is. So, I, I want us to look at our, our Christian, well, like I've said, our, our family tree. Yeah. Right? So, so... Um, you start with from what you could say quite easily from Pentecost um, for a period of, of many years would, is what is, you just call the apostolic church. And the reason you call that is because it was led by the apostles. It was led by the people who had been with Jesus. I mean, this is like first generation leadership people who had spent time with Jesus who are now leading churches, which is where we get our letters to those churches I read earlier, right? Yeah, that makes sense. So you've got them. And then begins the the denominations in some way, and and a lot of it in the beginning just has to do with geography. It's really about geography. Because there's a church in Jerusalem, and there's a church in Antioch, and there's a church in Alexandria, and then there becomes a church in Constantinople. Um, is it Istanbul or Constantinople? I don't I know. I always say Constantinople. In- Istanbul or Constantinople. Why, why did Constantinople get the works? It's nobody's business but the Turks. That's, that's from They Might Be Giants. Yes. There's, there you go. Yeah. Um, and then there was Rome, right? So... Someone's listening going, what? Giants? There were giants in constant... No, that's the name of a band, and they were weird, and I love them. And don't they sing the opening to... What's the show with Sheldon? No, that's... Uh, is that... Is that that's B. That's the, the bear? The bear... B and L. Okay, all right, okay. That's, what, that's their official name okay. now, B and L. Somebody had... A, they might be giants opening, and I can't remember who. Anyway, <laughs> we really don't. Someone's going, listen, no, I was on track with you, Shannon. You were talking about churches. Why are you talking about bands from the, the 80s and 90s? Like, why are you doing that to me? I am not interested in that. All right, but anyway. So, geography is what caused a lot of these uh, beginnings of denominations, Jerusalem, Antioch, Alexandria, Constantinople, Rome. And so in these places, I want to just, I'm looking at this research from Arda, 
is in Jerusalem, what happened is, so from the apostolic church, now you're looking at a new generation, uh, more believers, people living in different um, geographical areas, their culture's a little bit different. And so in Jerusalem, what you have is you have the Greek Orthodox Church of Jerusalem, and you've got, here you go, this is why this is confusing to some people. You've got the Armenian Apostolic Orthodox Church, and Armenian is about the place, yes, of Armenia, Mm -hmm. um, not Jacobus Arminius. So, you know, you weren't wrong. person listener that i called out a little while ago so um so you've got two different denominations right there in jerusalem and then in antioch you start out with the um the syriac orthodox (laughs) patriarchate of antioch all right wow that's that's a lot and then just the syriac orthodox church right so talking about syria and then you have these breakoffs of them. You go for, to the Church of the East and the Assyrian Church of the East. We are going to find a way to provide these links to you so that you can look at these charts as well. Because seeing I'm them, just staring at it. Yeah, it, you see the the offshoot, but it's all happened. Alexandria, um, the Coptic Orthodox Church came out of there, and the Greek Orthodox Church of Alexandria came out of there. Constantinople, you have the Ecumenical church and then you get over into like russia and there's the moscow the russian orthodox church um and then you have rome which is where we have the roman catholic church which becomes really the the big one because as you look at the tree and you look at this graph you see how all these start to um splinter off from rome Rome, not from some of these others um so then you, from the Catholic Church, we have um, Protestantism, which comes from, the, you know, beginning with Martin Luther. Of course, there were other people questioning, but he was really the one that got the ball rolling. And then what's interesting is from the Protestantism is where you get the Lutherans, right? And then you get the, the Reformed. Um, from then you get the Congregationalists, who are the ones that are like, we're not going to have hierarchy. No one's over us. We're just going to be our own church you have your presbyterians um and then from the presbyterian church was the offshoot of the the baptists um also there was from the presbyterians there were the restorationists who really wanted to get back to just scripture like don't add anything Mm -hmm. in um and then from the baptists and the restorationists came the adventists Mm -hmm. which was interesting um but then you going back to um, kind of the main offshoot of Protestantism, you had the Mennonites. Um, then you get the Anglicans, and you get the Friends um, Church. Not, <laughs> not Friends like the TV show, but... And then you can pull that graph up, I think, if it dropped off your page. Um, you have the Anglicans, um, and then from the Anglicans you get the, the Methodists. And then from the Methodists you get the Holiness Movement, and from the Holiness Movement you get the Pentecostals. And those are really the the big, big, big ones of them all. So we're going to, like I said, we're going to make sure we provide this to you um, because I think it's really worth looking at and and kind of taking it in and understanding how the denominations formed. Now, before I found that handy-dandy uh, graph, I spent about two hours looking at another timeline of just 
things that have happened in the United States. So I thought, okay, well, let, that's worldwide. Let's look at denominations in the U.S. Yeah. All right. Did you find some information about they might be giants? And now you're you gonna? Did you ever find it? Not. Oh, okay, don't not don't go to theme, it. Not that a theme song. He he kind of giggled, so I thought, oh, he found something good. But okay. Um, they did the SpongeBob on Broadway. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, yeah, like I said, before I found that graph, I was looking at, all right, let's, denominations in the U.S., and again, all this, all the credit for research goes to the ARDA, to, to the Association of Religion Data Archives. At least it didn't say Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. But if you go to thearda.com timeline and browse all events, you'll find this amazing stuff. Or you can just go to thearda.com and you can find a whole lot of information. So here's what I did. I went through, because this was like a ton, a ton of information. And I went through, and I just added in. I didn't add in. I kept um, things that I found to be either a starting point or a launching point of a denomination um, or like the actual, like just it's just a flat out, like this started on this date. Yep. So going all the way back to 1620, the Plymouth Plantation. So in a, a North American colony settled here uh, by English separatists. And they later they were later known as pilgrims, as we celebrate often. And they came because they wanted religious freedom. That's why they came here. So that's 1620. And then about 10 years later in Massachusetts, a, a group of Puritans led by John Winthrop, they started a colony there also fleeing religious persecution because they since because they were puritans they eschewed so many things in society and and people were afraid of them like they just they didn't uh, participate in so much of society and so they just kind of got booted out and so they yeah. came to um to america um now you fast forward uh, about 70 years to 1706 and the very first presbyterian church was formed in philadelphia and, um, and so it brought Presbyterianism to the colonies. It was already in existence mm -hmm. in England um, and other countries, but it was now in the United States. And then in 1707, so just one year later, um, some immigrants from, uh, Welsh immigrants from, the, from Great Britain uh, started the first the Philadelphia Baptist Association. So it was the first permanent Baptist denomination in America uh, was in Philadelphia in 1707. Um, go ahead about 20 years, and if pe people are like, listen, if anyone needs to, like, if you're having trouble sleeping, just play this back later. No, this is good stuff. <laughs> I know. So if you're driving, though, we, we, we should issue a warning. Um, this might might lull you to sleep, so be careful. Or it might careful. cause you to look up stuff on your phone while you're driving. Yeah, don't do that so either. I don't do that. Or you're just so jazzed about this that you're like, you're probably speeding. You should slow down. This stuff is not boring. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, in England, a lot of these churches were uh, leaving mm -hmm. a lot of these people because of religious persecution because, mm -hmm. because of the Church of England, which is the Anglican church. Yes, uh, I forget who. Which is a whole doing. other Henry the Eighth. Yeah, there was Henry a whole other thing about Church of England and yeah. Anglicanism, and and I think we might even get there uh, but, if we haven't. But that's why these churches were mm -hmm. coming to the United States. Right, they, they weren't coming to like be missionaries and set well, up. Well, some, some were, some were, yes. But the the early stages were to get away from oppression of the Church of England. Right. Well, and even like with Methodism, like we didn't come. 
like the Methodists didn't come here. John and Charles Wesley didn't come here to um, because of religious persecution. Yeah. They were part of the Anglican Church, and they came to the states because as missionaries, they wanted to minister to the Native Americans, the Indians, and and yet it was actually like a total like failure, and they left. But it started something. Mm-hmm. But that was almost a hundred years. Francis after. Asbury. Yeah. So there's there's more coming. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's let's keep going. So um, the Philadelphia Baptist Association started in 1707. Uh, Twenty years later, uh, the Free Will Baptists were founded in North Carolina. So the Free Will Baptists, we talked a lot about um, free will and predestination yep. and stuff in our last podcast. Um, a guy named Paul Palmer founded uh, North Carolina's first Baptist church, and this really this spread to a lot of Baptist churches throughout that state. state. Yep. Um, and then we have, uh, if you're history, church history buff, you know of the first great, there were some great awakenings in the church when mm-hmm. kind of revival swept through. And the first great awakening, uh, they would say, was between the 1730s and 1770s. And there were just a series of these revivals that were held in cities and places all over. And, and it really, it propelled the expansion of evangelical denominations. So people were hearing the gospel of Jesus proclaimed, and they were desiring and choosing to say yes to God right. and saying thank you, Jesus, and giving their life to Christ. So it, it was definitely an evangelical move that that caused this to happen, and it really started to move uh, in the colonies. Um, I was saying states, but we were still... Colonies at that yeah, point. Yeah, we were still colonies. Um, then, uh, I think this is profound, in 1742... The Philadelphia Baptist Association, which, so they had been in existence now for 30-something years, they wrote their confession of faith. And what it did is it unified particular Baptist churches throughout the country. So you Mm -hmm. start to see, it wasn't just, well, there's Philadelphia Baptist, and there's, you know, know, Pittsburgh Baptist, and whatever up there in Pennsylvania. It was like... Started to come together. Correct. Churches started to create networks and stuff. Yep. Um, so then you go into 1755 and the, the Hanover Presbytery organized in Virginia. So it was um, it began a, a, a rapid expansion of evangelicalism in the South. And this was again, this was happening during the Great Awakening. Um, so the, the Presbyterians were involved in this. And then uh, 1763 or so, um, the first Methodist societies in America were established in Maryland and in Virginia and in New York. So the first Methodist societies, which were not actual churches, they were those smaller gatherings mm-hmm. of people, but those were the beginnings of like it home happening. Churches. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, in 1775, so this is one year before we become a country, okay? Yeah. Right, uh, Silver Bluff Baptist Church was founded um, over the course of from 1773 to 1775 as the first Black Baptist Church in America, and I think that is awesome. Now, the fact that it had to be its own church is a, a whole other thing, of course we know, um, but the fact that it that organization that churches were found, being founded and forming. I mean, can you imagine being a member of Silver Bluff Baptist Church today. I mean, wow. In South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Like so. Just the fact that the first black <laughs> church, reckon, right. first black Baptist church. Yeah. Was in was in the South. Well, I'm sure it was probably on a plantation, and um, I'm sure it was. Uh, there, yeah, if I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, but 
Yeah. Um, so now we go on. We've already mentioned Free Will Baptist. Um, there was an itinerant preacher. This is in 1780. Uh, his name uh, Benjamin Randall, and he organized the Free Will Baptists in New England. So again, here's here's a, a free will organization, a denomination starting to form of several different free, free will Baptist churches coming together to form. And then in 1784, the Methodist Episcopal Church became the first official Methodist denomination um, in our country. So, and that was... Uh, important because that's when the breakaway from Anglicanism happened that we right. were talking about earlier. Uh, in 1789, the Presbyterians got together for a general assembly, so now they're forming together. They adopted a new name, the Presbyterian Church. Um, and which, then, uh, pardon? I, I think the PCUSA is is still it is active. Yeah, yeah. But, man, they've gone through some they've, stuff. They've gone through some stuff, but I, I think this is one of the few... Like in the early list yeah. that is still active under the same name. Yeah. When you look Side at uh, church history in the United States, between the Presbyterians and the Methodists, there's a, there was a lot of action. I would, and I would even say the Presbyterians had, a, there was a whole lot of stuff like going on that there was coming back together and splitting up again. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was like a high school romance. Like, what's <laughs> going on here? Um, so the second Great Awakening comes around towards the uh, beginning uh, from 1790 into the 1800s, and it's fueled by this um, an evangelical Protestant majority of people who were in antebellum America. So you're talking about the South, right? Pre- you're down pre-war, here, yeah. yeah. And giving rise to this new denominations, and and along with it came the need for social reforms because. As the country grew, cities grew, the needs of the people grew. Yep. And you had poverty, you had you know, children working in factories, you had uh, certain uh, people from you know, different countries who were be tr- being treated unfairly and not paid well and taken advantage of. And so the need for social reforms was becoming more and more obvious. And initially the church handled those things. Yes. Um, and the churches had societies that, that helped in those areas. I mean, the whole idea of Sunday school, as you and I know it today, mm-hmm. was not... Uh, it, it was about literacy. Right. It was an opportunity to bring people teach. to church on the one day then they prob- that they didn't work. Right. Um, and, and to teach them how to read and write. And so, the, and yeah. And this is all... The Second Great Awakening is honestly when the church started addressing slavery in the United States. Yes. Yes. So... Whether whether they took a stance on it one way or the other, but it, mm-hmm. it started becoming a conversation on well, what does our church believe? Yes, with th- with this topic. Yes, and I'll I'll just I'll remind everyone to go back to go to the Arda so t h e a r d a dot com, and um, look at the timeline of uh, uh, American churches or I think that's how it's titled. And I'm just talking to you about denominations, but there's a ton of links and information on. Uh, definitely the movement of uh, what was happening with um, with African Americans yes. and uh, with leaders within the African American uh, church and you know just the country and, and how you start to see all this building up. So it was really really interesting. Um, so here comes uh, the cousin of. Uh, uh, where we get our word united and united Methodist, Josh. Uh, in 1800, 
the Church of the United Brethren in Christ formed as a, a result of people were evangelizing these German immigrants. And it was the first, I found this, this was the first uniquely American denomination. So this was like, um, it wasn't connected to a, a former, um, uh, something in England or, uh, you know, another country that brought over. This was the first, like, this is homegrown right here in the U.S. of A., but it happened among German immigrants. So I didn't know that. Yeah, pretty interesting. Um, in 1807, the first African Presbyterian church was organized. Um, in, uh, in 1810, another Cumberland Presbytery formed as a response, and this is where you start to see offshoots of denominations because of differences, right? right? I mean, I'm sure there were some other minor ones, but this is the first big one. So in um, 1810, the Cumberland Presbytery formed as a response to the ordination and theological differences with the Presbyterian Church USA, the PCUSA. So they did not agree with each other, so an offshoot formed the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Right. Okay. Um, And then there was, in 1813... The Union Church of Africans, which became the first independently organized black church in the United States. So that was very, very important. Um, now here, this is one of those uh, dark, sad moments of, of Methodist history. But in 1816, the African Methodist Church, uh, Episcopal Church, formed. So we know it most likely as the AME Church. It stands for Correct. African Methodist Episcopal Church. It formed after years of unequal treatment um, with white Methodists. Um, and it is the oldest existing uh, African-American denomination um, in the U.S., so it's been existing for a long, long time. And then from... Yeah, go ahead. There's actually multiple AME churches in Dodd-Austa. Yes, there are. There are. And so, and then you see, like, here's another one offshoot. Then from the AME church in 1816 and 1821, the AME Zion church formed as a response, again, to racial discrimination and segregation. But that Zion is a, a separate word. And there's some, te- there's some teaching in there. I, I, I'm not um, versed on this enough to say any more, but it's different than the yeah. AME church. And yeah, that's yeah. all I can say <laughs> on that. Um, in I don't know either. 1827 to 1832, the Primitive Baptists um, began forming it, it to gr- to uh, to in response to growing Baptist denominations. So so you have the primitive Baptists kind of separating themselves because they didn't like the denominations and the way they were going with the Baptist churches. So they created their own so denomination. So they created their own. I mean, and that's not just a Baptist thing. That's just a, that's a people thing. But Yeah. Um, I, the Oblate Sisters of Providence in Baltimore, Maryland in 1829, was the first Roman Catholic congregation founded by women of African descent in 1829. I thought that was really, really interesting. That is. Yeah. Um, now, again, another another um, embarrassing moment for the Methodist Church, but in 1845, the contentious issue of American slavery divided the Methodist Episcopal Church into northern and southern denominations. And so in 1845, the Methodist Episcopal Church, comma, south was formed. Yeah. Um, 
1845, over a four-day convention meeting, the Southern Baptist Convention uh, was founded, and it resulted from a split between Northern and Southern Baptists over, guess what, slavery. Yep. Um, and it's now the largest Protestant denomination in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. today. So, This one I actually know a little bit more about than than the, the little tagline. Uh-huh. Um, it, uh, the Baptist Convention wouldn't allow slave owners to be pastors. Mm. And the Southern Baptist Convention did. Mm-hmm. So that, that was why that split was slave owners wanted to be pastors. Yeah. So they formed their own denomination, yeah. the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. And that's when you have that uh, NBC thing, the more you know. and you're The like, more you know. And then you're sitting in a Southern Baptist church going, oh. Oh, Southern Baptist. Yeah. 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 Um, the, but, um, but it's interesting that those happened the same year. The Methodist Episcopal Church South and the Southern Baptist Convention oh, yeah. was founded the first oh, yeah. same year. It was happening. The year before. Yep. No, not the year before. Never uh, mind. Several years before. Yeah, but it was it was it brewing. Was brewing. Yeah, it was, was brewing. brewing. It was brewing. And so in 1852, the Congregational Methodist Church broke off from the Methodist Episcopal Church South over church governance disputes. Um, I I I'd, I'd want to look into that a little bit more and see um, why the the dispute was Congregational Methodist um, like hey you know, we're not, we're not pro-slavery or was it just other, other issues? I'm not sure. I, I want to look into that. And then in 1860, uh, the free Methodist church, uh, was founded, um, by, uh, two guys, uh, Benjamin Roberts and, and John Wesley Redfield. They founded the free Methodist church after failing to bring reform to the Methodist Episcopal church. So obviously, the Methodist Episcopal Church was was struggling because all these offshoots start coming off of it. Right. Um, and then you have um, in 1870, <laughs> the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church, uh, it formed after Southern black Methodists desired to form their own denomination after the Civil War. So they were like, we're going to start to do this, the CMEC. Um, we want to have our own denomination. In 1886, the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, which is uh, important to note because there's a there's another offshoot of Church of God, and I believe they call themselves Church of God. Oh, it's in Indiana, and I'm going to forget the name right now off the top of my head. But it's an offshoot, and it's it's more. They're not the same, but they have they mm-hmm. they they claim like their city based on. Uh, I believe, a revival that took place in those places at that time. But anyway, 1897, uh, excuse me, 1886, Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, was founded, and it's the oldest Pentecostal denomination in the United States. I actually have a friend that lives in Cleveland, Tennessee, and oh. his dad is in the Church of God hierarchy of the wow. Church of God, yeah. Yeah, wow. And I didn't know that until... Yeah. <laughs> so, and then in 1897, the Church of God in Christ was formed in Mississippi, and it's the oldest and largest black Pentecostal body uh, church in the United States. Um, so you start to see here uh, in the late 1880s, 1890s, into the 1900s, that um, uh, charismatic 
mm-hmm. expressions start to show up. I mean, there were the Quakers and the Shakers way back when, and they were called that for a reason. Yeah. Um, but now it's kind of coming back around again. Yeah. And so you start to see this here with the Pentecostal uh, churches. Um, the Pilgrim Holiness Church in 1897 also formed, and it was originally a Methodist prayer group, but it grew into a denomination by the, by the early 20th century into the early 1900s. Um, the Assemblies of God was founded in 1914 with a handful of Pentecostal ministers. They were there together in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and they, they made a denomination. Um, and it's it's gone. I mean, it's all over the world now. Assemblies of God is is huge, yeah. especially in other countries. Yeah, hum, huge. It, yeah. Um, Asia. Um, uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm trying to think. Uh, South America, Central America. It's it's really large. Uh, in 1935, so we're starting to get a little closer to to where we are today. <laughs> uh, the Free Will Baptist formed an association. There were two major branches of Free Will Baptists, and they joined together to form the National Association of Free Will Baptists. So offshoots and then coming together and, you know, all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1936, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church was founded. Um, they were they were really discontented. They were a conservative group of Presbyterians, and they left the Presbyterian Church in the U.S. to form an Orthodox Presbyterian Church. So they were, they were not pleased with the uh, progressive... Uh, direction that the, the the Presbyterian Church was going at the time, which who knows what that means because it could have been we would might consider it to be like totally and completely um, orthodox today. I don't know. So um, when you say orthodox, I'm mm-hmm. coming from the series Doxy Praxy. Yes. You know, or what makes this when when they say they're attaching orthodox to it, mm-hmm. what changes? Like why what? connotation does orthodox add to this uh-huh. because it's one of those that this is the first time orthodox has popped up in a really long time yeah yeah so it's significant that they added it um so in um what year is this in 1930s in the 20s um there was something called the auburn affirmation and what it was is it denounced the practice of requiring presbyterian ministers to affirm that they believe that scripture is, it's infallible. So it was basically saying, we don't, you can say that scripture is whatever it's, it might be infallible. It might not be, but, um, they wanted to, to, uh, let me read this for the Auburn affirmation of 1924 denounced the practice of requiring Presbyterian ministers to affirm the infallibility of the scriptures, the virgin birth, the bodily resurrection of Christ, the substitutionary atonement, and Christ's miracles. Whoa. Yeah, so that was a big deal. And so the Orthodox would say, no, 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 no. We agree with all those things, so we're going to go and go. We're going to go take our ball. That's a big statement. Yeah, huge. So um, very big. So in 1937... Um, another group, the Bible Presbyterian Church, uh, was uh, the product of division between the, the traditionalists and the fundamentalists in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. So, mm-hmm. so now you've got your Orthodox Presbyterian, but then you've got your traditionalists and your fundamentalists. Okay. Yeah. So when, with that, you're talking about, um, uh, you know, 
really, really strict um, carrying out of, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to look at this too and see the, the details on this. The conservative dissidents who left the Presbyterian Church to form the Orthodox Church, uh, they were united by their you know, opposition to the liberal theology that was going on. But once they're on their own, controversies emerged over the eschatology and the consumption of alcohol. Uh, most of the traditional Presbyterians were opposed to like an official ban on the use of alcohol, while the fundamental group was, they supported prohibition. So a lot of this was around right. the prohibition yeah, era. The time yeah. Yeah. And then just th there were other issues that were going on. Uh, so they became the Bible Presbyterian Church. Um, then in 1946, the Evangelical Methodist Church formed in response to fears of liberalism within the Methodist Church. You could just change the date of 1946 and put in the date 2021. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the Evangelical Methodist Church was formed. In 1950, the Bible Baptist Fellowship formed after a split in 19... Uh, I said in 1950 um, with a Baptist leader, Frank Norris, and it became the largest association, <laughs> an association of independent Baptists. <laughs> Again, I'm not laughing at the Baptists. I'm just laughing at the fact that we this is say the, things like... This is the uh, sub-denomination of Baptists that Baptists laugh at. <laughs> the independent Baptists? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, now, here come the Presbyterians trying to get back together again in the 19, late 1950s. The merger of the uh, Presbyterian uh, Church in North America and the PCUSA... Uh, they merged, and then it was followed by a controversy and dissension very quickly, so it didn't last very long at all. And then in 1960, kind of a second wave of this charismatic movement began. Um, Dennis Bennett's, uh, uh, was a, a leader in the churches, and I can't remember which church he was attached to, uh, but he was very, very outspoken about his baptism by the Holy Spirit, which brought about this whole new uh, wave of people, uh, of, the, of charismatic Christianity in the United States, of people wanting to know more about, about that. I want to read more. Um, he was an Episcopal vicar, and uh, he prayed with some friends, and he began to speak in uh, in. In unknown language, you know, as we would say today, is in tongues. tongues. Yeah. Um, and and he called that his baptism by the Holy Spirit. Um, and he stood at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in California in 1960 and and shared this. And and while a lot of the the parishioners there supported him, many denounced his his Pentecostal activity, and and w wanted him to resign. He he later voluntarily resigned and became famous after Time and Newsweek picked up the story. Um, and he continued to work in, in Seattle, um, and, and the church actually flourished under his leadership. So, but this really started that, that wave of uh, charismatic Christianity again in the United States. Um, 1968, the United Methodist Church was formed. It was the Methodist Episcopal Church and the Evangelical United Brethren Church merged to form the United Methodist Church. It's the largest Methodist denomination in the United States. And from the outset, they did not agree um, 
on many issues. They I, just merge to merge, which other churches have done, yeah, but yeah. just because we know this. So when people are like, well, what's suddenly happening in the UMC? No, no they no, weren't agreeing. It's been happening since 1968. Yeah. So um, The same stuff that they can't yeah. agree on. Yeah. They've been yeah. arguing about. Mm-hmm. And in the same year, 1968, the Wesleyan Church... Uh, they were the Methodist West, the Wesleyan Methodist Church and the Pilgrim Holiness Church. They merged to form the Wesleyan Church. Um, there could be other smaller ones you could talk about from there, but really these are the main churches that have formed and denominations that have formed, and just about any that you would find today have their roots in all of these that we just went through and yeah. read about. I will just tell you again, Go to thearta.com, and you can read up on this. It's it's really um, interesting if you're into this kind of thing. So, so Josh, why so many denominations? Which one of these is true? Which one should we just hurry up and just go and align ourselves with immediately? You know, some are going, well, Shannon, you kind of are already aligned, and Josh, you can, you know. But, like, if, if there's so many denominations, and they've been around for a long, long time, some great thinkers have asked this very question, like, why are there so many? And the best response, and this has been attributed to, like, Augustine and others, but um, there's this saying that I think is, is so very important when mm-hmm. we talk about denominations. Yeah. Very insightful. In essentials, unity. The inerrancy of Scripture. Right. Uh Jesus uh, being the the Son of God and the Son of Man, um, you know, the Trinity, uh, you know, all, all these, you know, in essentials, unity. Mm-hmm. Let's be unified in the essentials. In non-essentials, liberty. How do you baptize? How do you not baptize? Yep. Now, of course, the whole thing is, well, we want to make that essential. We don't. I mean, you, you can... Yeah, but yeah. here's... Let me just read the whole statement. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Ooh. Yeah. And that's where most be, most denominations screw up. <laughs> well, all denominations at some point screw and up. And yes, yeah. Because the essentials of Christianity, it comprises the core beliefs of the faith. And so keep in mind that these, these essential beliefs did not just come out of thin air. Like someone didn't just sit down with a piece of paper and, and write these down one day. The Christian faith is a fact-based Faith, and I think one of the reasons that denominations continued to splinter off and form was because you have a fact-based faith on Scripture, but then you get people getting involved in it, Josh, and they start to mess it up. Mm-hmm. And so someone goes, "Hang on a minute, let's try to change this." And a whole bunch of people go, "No, no, no, we don't want to change it." And so they go, "Okay, well, we're going to go start something new then, and it's going to be fact-based on Scripture." And then maybe after a period of time, people mess that up too. Too, yeah. It happens. Um, so the Christian faith is, is based on Scripture, and these are like, there are solid reasons based on real historical events, on prophecies which were proclaimed and then fulfilled. There were eyewitness accounts corroborated by many witnesses with differing viewpoints, and all of that made that canon of Scripture that we say yes to and we hold as holy and right and good and we derive our understanding of God from. And so the essentials of faith. So if that if that very um, thoughtful, insightful response was in essentials unity, what are the essentials? 
Well, here are the essentials of the Christian faith as revealed by God's Word. The deity of Christ, right? We've talked about that. Right. Salvation by grace, not works. Yep. Salvation through Jesus alone. No, yep. no one else. The resurrection of Jesus. That's important. The gospel of Jesus, the good news. Monotheism. So mm-hmm. it's it's God. Yep. And and but also not but also and the Holy Trinity. God the Father, yep. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's God a, in three persons. There's a whole podcast about monotheism and the I Holy was Trinity. thinking about yeah, I was I was thinking <laughs> we, about that. So we got an episode of that coming it's up. It's coming. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Um, so these essentials, they they come from scripture. I mean, these are not made up things and and the Bible itself reveals just like it did to Martin Luther what is important and essential to the Christian faith. And um that is why, listeners, <laughs> there are so many denominations. If you had to put it into one sentence, one statement, is why there are so many denominations. Proof texting. Or I would say, I would say one word. Here's one word answer to why there are so many denominations. You ready? Mm-hmm. People. Yep. Yeah. I mean, hundred <laughs> percent. Because people mm, will muck it up. Yep. Uh, when they're able to. So. Wow. That was a, that was long. Yeah, there's a lot, <laughs> not not like long, but there's a lot of information a in lot, there. A lot, a lot of information, and it's all important. But um, one thing that seems, from my experience at in my faith walk, is mm-hmm. that uh, people seem to attach themselves closer to their denomination than they do Jesus. Oh my goodness gracious! And that's when that's when the problems arise. Mm-hmm. Um, someone told me one time, it's like. When you identify yourself, how many times, how many answers do you give before you give Jesus? Mm. And usually your denomination is in front of Jesus. Mm. So, um, well, usually it's, I'm an American, I'm Baptist, mm. I'm Methodist, I'm a, I follow Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. like. Wow. So. That's very true. Um, so if you go to, a, like, if you find a church that follows these essentials. Mm-hmm. And it's like-minded people, and you're able to grow your faith to, towards yep. Jesus. Yep, that's the right denomination for you. Yeah, when or non-denomination yeah. for you, or so, but when <laughs> or interdenomination or whatever, I don't know. But when a denomination starts to tell you that this part is more important than Jesus, mm-hmm. is when you should run out the door screaming. Yep, because it's because it's instead become. Jesus focus has become denomination focused, mm-hmm. and you're worshiping that the style that yeah. that denomination represents, yep. Yep. and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. We could go through, and me and Shannon could give a list of denominations that you don't want to go be in, but we're not going to do <laughs> we're that. We're not going to do that. But if find find if you listen to this, you're probably going to the porch, so you found what you're looking for. But a young person that's listening to this that is going to move off to college or move away or something like that, you're going to have to find another church. Yeah, for sure. And Methodism might not, it might not be here in two years. The the way way we know it right now. The way we know it right now. We'll have to add to the next line. So you'll actually, you'll literally have to figure out what uh, kind of church you're going to go to. Mm -hmm. So you have to evaluate the church based on these essentials. Yeah. Agreed. And, And if you don't, you're kind of shortchanging yourself. Yeah, and and you got to be careful, like how you get, who you attach to, and how you attach to, because, uh, you know, uh, on the surface it might seem, 
you know, fantastic and wonderful and everything, but then you can find out that the doctrine is really strange and odd and and um and that's not and, a, and that's not denominationally like particular. Yeah, there are denominations that do skew mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. doctrine, but there are churches within every denomination that skews doctrine. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And that and you need to be more worried about the church entity that you're allowing yourself to be raised up in yep as opposed to the denomination that is overarching of it mm-hmm. right because you have to make sure that the, what the pastor is preaching is god given yeah. and, and god yes. laid before you even consider Oof. the philosophies of the denomination right because if the pastor isn't teaching you who cares about the denomination principles mm-hmm. like case in point the united methodist church right now mm-hmm. there are pastors that are not preaching mm-hmm the gospel. There yep. are Baptist pastors that are not preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you should not be in those churches. Right. Regardless of what regardless of what denominational the name says. is on the sign. Yeah. 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 I mean it's Agreed. it's all a denom- Presbyterian. I mean yeah. all their yeah. Denomination is so tertiary compared to the mm-hmm. living, breathing word of God. And if you're not receiving that, you are in the wrong place. Amen. 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 It's very they get they that like gets my sp- <laughs> like you know how like animals like their fur perks uh, up when they get like is, is your back hair yeah yeah up? my yeah. back hair sticking up that's disgusting because they're not like people get so wrapped up into this stuff yeah and they're going to hell for it mm-hmm. yeah yeah Be- and Getting lost and they Getting don't lost. know and they don't know yeah yeah and that's I I really appreciate you saying those those things Josh because it really does come down to um, yes, it's, I mean, I, I nerded out on the, the timeline and all the things that have happened and come about. I mean, and here we are today because of, in many ways, all these things and, and what people have done and, and, and how they've uh, started churches and denominations and, and things like that. But um, it does come down to uh, the Word of God being preached, um, the body of Christ functioning the way that, that it, it should be. Uh, this really does make me uh, look forward to our fall series mm-hmm. because we're going to be doing a series walking through the book of Acts, and we're going to be looking at the early church. We're going to be looking at what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And so we're going to be walking through that like uh, August 15th through, uh, I think it's an eight-week series. Yeah, it's the end um, of September. Yeah. And so I'm very much looking forward to that because we're going to be going, all right, what, what was going on in the early church? What does it mean to be a disciple? This is what they did. This is what early church did. This is what we should be doing on a personal level, but also on a corporate level. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really, really, uh, I'm already working on those messages and um, really learning a lot and, and um, seeing just, yeah, just the power of the church and the purpose mm-hmm. of the church and what it should be what it could be. So, yeah. There's a reason that the uh, uh, the teachings of Jesus and his and his story has been around so long, and the church is still standing, even though it's come under persecution. In spite of ourselves. <laughs> in, spite of, in spite of ourselves and persecution over and mm-hmm. over again. And if you're living in 2021, you in the United States, you're seeing for the first time when church isn't popular. Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at all the statistics, and it's like... I mean, I guess it's been the last couple of years where we haven't been uh, majority would call themselves Christian. Yeah, um, I would say with, in the past ten years, it's really hit the Bible Belt. Yeah, you know, this is the first time that um, 
more people don't like there are less people to say that they that they are associated with the church mm-hmm. than not right in the Bible Belt. Yeah, the the United States has been eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so interesting. Well, listeners, hey, thanks for hanging with us uh, through this. Um, I hope that for those of you that did hang with us, that you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, we've again. I say it every week, but I've, I've enjoyed doing this and looking into this um, together, before answering we, these questions. Yeah. Before we go, we got an, we got a event to plug. Oh yeah, yeah. Go yep. ahead. What do we got? Uh, Jesus Life I Weekend. I know what you got. Anna. Is August sixth through says the eighth. Yeah. Yeah. Lo- last year's shirt on. I, I like do. It. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Life Weekend is August sixth through eighth. Yes. If you are a sixth through twelfth grade student and you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. give yourself a round of applause because <laughs> this was a deep podcast to be listening to. But and then go sign up for Jesus Life Weekend. Or parents. Yeah. <laughs> sign up your kid. Yep. Um, uh, it's an amazing weekend. I mean, you will hear us talk about it. We talk about it. Sometimes I think we don't. We might need to stop and, and remember. Uh, some people don't know what it is, but it is a huge weekend. We purposely plan this thing to happen at the beginning of the school year. It's an outstanding weekend of teaching and prayer and worship. And yeah, we have fun. Uh, conversation that's deep, that's real, which yep. I believe students are looking for. Um, there's enough, you know, shallow, you know, stuff out there. They want depth. Yeah. They want something important. And um, we provide this weekend for that to happen. And um, I think the, one of the most powerful parts, besides the opportunity for a student to say yes to Jesus, is uh, for them to build relationships with other people who are on this journey too. Yeah. Um, and to see that, hey, there are other people that have these questions, there are other people that have these struggles, there are other people that uh, want something more out of their life. And so it's just going to be an amazing weekend, August 6th through 8th. You can go to theporchcc.com. Click on the Events tab. And I'll take you right there. Sign yep. up now because we will have a cap. Yeah. Um, so if you're thinking about it, uh, you Do be it. thinking about signing up because we'll have to cap it at some point. Yeah. Here very soon. Um, we'll it'll registration will probably be closed a week before. Yeah. Yeah. So so get on that for sure. Porch community, we thank you so much for hanging with us and supporting us and encouraging us. And uh, we look forward to spending time with you again on episode 33. Yeah. And, um, and hopefully we'll see you on Sunday as well. All right. So see you guys ya. have a great week. See you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.